most genocides happen when one group is relatively disarmed. You know, their military power is low, um, and it's difficult for them to fight back against that genocide. If a marginalized group has um, the power to stand up against that, it, you know, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, let's talk about this. Hey everybody, welcome to the A Better Way to a podcast. We are here this week with the Elm Fork John Brown Gun Club. Now, is that, I, I've seen, I've seen John Brown Gun Club on a lot of different accounts and different uh, pages. Are, are you guys like a chapter of a larger John Brown Gun Club, uh, just for, you know, our own edification here? Or are, are you... Is is that just uh, it's kind of just iconography uh, that you the guys iconography that, that of a bunch it. of different um, people use? Most John Brown gun clubs are kind of run anonymously and or autonomously and independently. Um, so we do have communication with other clubs occasionally, but there's not like a nonprofit or governing body of the club or anything wild like that national scale. <laughs> sure sure you know that's how john brown would have done it <laughs> absolutely um so for we haven't actually introduced these these guests yet uh we have tex and bubble from the elm fork john brown gun club yeah. um just so we know who's talking and uh we really appreciate you guys coming on this uh, i think this is going to be a pretty awesome episode and we've had a lot of people asked to have you guys on so there are definitely uh, we have questions from people we have questions of our own definitely a lot of interest and i think with the current state of things people are super interested in in what they can get out of a john brown gun club um feel free to talk specifically about yours but um my first question is what is the importance of a left-leaning space in the gun community versus what's stereotypically available? Because, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, John Brown Gun Club, for those who who don't know, is primarily like a a leftist engaging gun club. It's not a right-wing fuddy gun club that we see, that we're used to seeing. Um, but if you guys want to explain a little bit more about what you guys do and um, maybe talk and about why, why it's important to be, yeah, why it's beneficial. That would be, that would be awesome. Yeah. So I think things have been changing a lot in terms of, uh, you know, traditionally people think of the left being against guns. Um, but a lot of leftists have decided that we need to arm ourselves. I mean, we're mostly in different marginalized groups, whether that be, LGBTQIA groups or racial minorities. Um, and so as, as things have gotten scarier, a lot of people from liberals to leftists, and I, I think a lot of people don't understand what leftists are. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of leftists. There are anarchists, um, there are communists, there are socialists, and 
you know, all of these different uh, ideological groups, but all of them and also just your run-of-the-mill liberals um, have been buying guns, wanting to get armed, wanting to learn about um, self-defense training. And there really just hasn't been space for it in the pre-existing gun community, the pre-existing self-defense community. You know, you've got um, these spaces that are dominated by police officers and veterans and, um, you know, very outspoken conservatives to outright fascists. Um, And I, you know, I think it's been creating all of these new groups, these new spaces of people who, um, you know, want to learn about guns, want to um, learn about self-defense, learn about armed community defense, but from, you know, in an inclusive space, from fellow leftists, uh, fellow left-leaning people, at least. Um, And yeah, it's been... uh, it's been pretty incredible to see all of these groups growing um, recently. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, for sure. I I think that's uh, you guys fulfill a need that is really important right now, um, and it's great that people who haven't felt uh, included in the gun community have a place to go now. Um, we've heard nothing but good thing about good things about John Brown Gun Clubs. We have one here in Connecticut. Um, I've never met with them, but we've, we've talked on a few different occasions. And, uh, even though we don't always agree politically, we're obviously left leaning here, but, um, I think it's important to, to point out that, that even though we don't always agree 100% politically, we, we still think that, that what you guys are doing is incredibly important and support you guys a hundred percent. So that's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think, I think we all want to show up and, and, and show our support for, for vulnerable people. Um, and, and I think that that's super important and you guys had a really high visibility, um, event recently to that, to that end. Um, there was a a March in Dallas, right? Where you guys showed up with, uh, um, people, uh, protesting the, uh, the Roe v. Wade decision. Yeah, we've had, um, we've had a few pretty high profile, um, events actions that we've been a part of recently um it it, you know it grew out of our normal activism so all of us came into this space um meeting each other through activism so you know we have been um just you know boots on the ground showing up for um uh, unhoused communities um the the black lives matter marches in 2020 and um kind of through doing our normal stuff we ended up uh opposing this group of fascists who came to the gay neighborhood in dallas um and were yelling at people calling them groomers and trying to push their way into a gay bar and uh partially because of that you know we wanted to do an armed march even here in Texas, you don't see armed marches very often, um, even though it is an open carry state. So we put that together, uh, and that was a pretty high-profile event. And uh, the Reproductive Liberation March is actually pretty interesting because 
we've been helping out groups with armed security for a long time now. Um, you know, several of our members were at the previous one in 2021. And I guess just no one in the news ever noticed that we had rifles. But uh, Or they just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, it figures. Yeah, it is, I think, uh, covered up to an extent. Um, whether it be right-leaning news or left-leaning news, they don't really yeah, want exactly. to cover that. Yeah, it kind of um, it kind of goes against uh, the both of the dominant narratives, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't really it doesn't really help either of those news organizations, so they just they just ignore it. But um, yeah, we had a lot of uh, people come out to support the Reproductive Liberation March. Um, was that a couple weeks ago now? And uh, uh, you know, people got great pictures. It kind of it kind of spread around. There were a lot of us, so uh, we ended up kind of photobombing a lot of stuff, I guess. In the um, best way. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty high profile. How did you guys um, find that? I know I, I I think I commented on one of your photos of that post, but just just for people who didn't see that, because um, I don't think most people stalk my my comment activity uh, from the page. But um, what you're missing the... out if you don't. <laughs> how was the reception from the people in that march to uh to you showing up with with rifles because um typically speaking you know reproductive rights is is it is a very left wing uh cause but a lot of the people in and i i hesitate to say a lot of the people because things are changing so rapidly but i think most liberals would say that gun rights and reproductive rights don't mix. So to have a leftist organization carry guns to provide security at a left-wing uh, ideological march, um, there would be some conflict. Or some people just, you know, it's it would make some people's heads explode. Like Andrew was saying, it doesn't it doesn't fit the narratives of both sides. But how is the reception really from the people at that event? Big part you guys of the reception up, uh, is showing up armed like that. I mean we're such a big mixture of a group, but our, our members have uteruses too. You know, it's not something that we're just dividing ourselves into an us versus them type of mentality. We're showing up for the community and the community sees who we are. They've already seen us. A lot of them already know us, but it kind of incites a little bit of a, of a thing in their mind of, you know, hey, that's not a cop. That's not any kind of bullshit like that. That's a member of my community that's standing alongside me or standing with me, you know. So, I mean, there's there's obviously going to be some hesitation in people, but it was extremely well received. And in, in my opinion, people kind of can be a little standoffish at first, but so many people already knew us. It was just like, hey, who's that? Oh, that's the John Brown Gun Club. They're they're fine. They're good. They're friends. And, you know, those people approach us, and that's how we can have those dialogues of... That's awesome. That's great. This isn't a single issue. This is, this is our, you know, this is the autonomy of, of over half of us. It, it really yeah. kind of sparks some, some good conversations, in my opinion.
And I think it goes a long way to showing that this uh, this issue is not um, it's not a it's not really necessarily it doesn't have to be a partisan issue, right? You know this this really these you know uh, gun rights, self defense, and reproductive right. rights uh, are not mutually exclusive, and they're not ideologically opposed. Well, because well, if you think about it, I mean, they all have to do with autonomy. Once once you divide right, it yeah. enough times, and you know, one you you reserve the right to protect yourself and your family, and, and the other one you re, you reserve your right to make medical decisions, and that that is they're both regarding autonomy, obviously to different levels, but um, I I don't think a lot of people see that connection, and when y'all show up and and march alongside people advocating for reproductive rights, I think it it. it it almost like juxtaposes the two issues together and people can actually have some perspective that like Andrew said, it doesn't have to be a partisan issue. And meanwhile, you know, everyone there's, I doubt there's some far right conservatives, uh, in the John Brown gun club, or, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Um, probably not. No, (laughs) fair. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, no, I, I just, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to assume, but I was pretty confident. Um, but, that is that's really cool that that you had that kind of response and it's nice that uh people already knew you there i think it goes to show you how important advocacy is because it it bridges those gaps between people who might at a face value look like they have different beliefs yeah. but when when they know you and they have a uh have trust in you they they know that you're there to support them um that that's really cool i'm glad that um i'm glad you guys were received like that so you had a good reception um, at these events, but uh, do you guys either before or or during your participation in the uh, John Brown Gun Club, do you guys ever have conflicts with the gun community uh, because of your politics or your no. or your, your personal yeah. stances? Sorry, not you guys, y'all. Uh. We're literally going back and forth in our chat right now because we're trying to be courteous of, of the pronouns. And I'm, I'm like, I keep saying you guys. I'm keep saying you guys. You my my apologies. And, and like, please, tr- please switch to y'all. And I'm, I'm like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I think you guys is fine. I, I, I go through the same thing. I'll accidentally use it for, um, you know, a group of femme people or people with different pronouns. Sure. But it, you know, I, I think it's often generic. I, I assume it's generic, but some people <laughs> don't, and I, I try to do whatever's most comfortable for people but it's just funny we're, I'm, we're like screaming in the chat <laughs> between well, like, we keep saying it god damn it yeah um no i appreciate that we're just trying um, to be cool guys we're just trying to be cool yeah yeah i i think um, there's a lot of um a lot of conflict with the gun community um because you know a lot of the gun community is very outspoken on um <clears throat> hot button right wing issues so and I mean, not just that, but, you know, there's pervasive racism and sure, things like yeah. that. I'm, I'm sure you guys saw that um, that viral uh, picture of a slide deck. There was some kind of firearms class going on. Yep. We talked about and, that. With, uh, uh, oh, uh, my God. ATW. Yeah. No, yeah. That was pretty. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. fucking gnarly. Uh, real. Real. And on that the was supposed. Yeah. Yeah, really. And for those who don't know, it was a slide from uh, I think it was Las Vegas. Uh, a Las Vegas uh, gun class. Let me see if I can pull that, that up. It, it was essentially saying that uh, 
just just a lot of racist thing about people racist things about people of color things i think it had a fried chicken reference a watermelon reference and and just i guess the context was the person teaching it was black or or some people said that but the the large majority of he's people not he's not class black. were n- what was the there was somebody who was like oh no it's okay he does this like and not that it's okay it's not at all but somebody was trying to justify it saying like well oh, he's, no, he's not he's white not. but he's not a black guy so it's not okay you know. well all right well e- either way it's like it was not not kosher and uh yeah and so that's that. the kind of stuff that i think drives people out of the ex- pre-existing gun space right um I think a lot of people think of leftists as being very sensitive, um, you know, reacting out of being offended. But I think the truth is more that leftists tend to be marginalized people, right? So if if you are a black person or if you have friends or family that are black people and you see something like that, you're going to walk out of there. You know, fuck that. Um, Yeah, so it says says always shoot the gun right side up always lick the chicken grease off of your fingers trigger warning guys this is racism uh, always make sure there's a white person around so you can have someone to blame for everything that goes wrong in your life always aim for small children to ensure you actually hit another Fucking gang member horrible that is that is the uh the slide Gee, that's like worse i know than it's, I thought it's really bad it being... <laughs> but like you're saying there's there are there's tons of that in in the typical gun community, and people are looking to to leave that. People are looking to to find something different. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, things like that will cause people to um, flee those spaces all the time. Uh, and yeah, you know, it's it, it it's hard to get along with what you know the the pre existing gun community or or what the gun community has been. And, and I mean, that's on the one hand is um, things like like racism, things like, uh, you know, just being very outspoken about right wing politics in a way that is uh, legitimately threatening to a lot of people. You know, if you, it's not just a political disagreement, if you're saying like, no, you know, women should stay in the kitchen or something like that, that's that's a statement about like someone trying to control your life um, and your opportunities and things like that. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, but, you know, even outside that, a lot of the, a lot of the ways that we might run into a, a conservative member of the gun community, you know, someone who's active on AR15.com or something like that, will actually be in the street. They're carrying a rifle. They're glaring at us because... You know, we're we're like near their Confederate statue or something, you know. Yeah, those yeah. those, yeah, those precious then, statues. <laughs> it's an institution. I really I really hope um, I piss some people off when I say that uh, Confederate statues should all be torn down. Well, we have zero statues commemorating wars that <laughs> Oh, ever never mind. I shouldn't say that. I was going to say wars we lost in. We have tons of Vietnam oh, yeah. War memorials. <laughs> um, well, it, it it wasn't a all right, maybe it is a participation trophy, but whatever. I I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to be kind here, but no, you're right. Um and and I think it's 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 I pointed this out a lot when 
the George Floyd demonstrations were going on that it was interesting to see the difference in reaction from police when they encountered a group of protesters who were armed versus when they weren't. And I think the same thing goes for oh, big time. these protesters and counter-protesters on the right who show up armed and encounter leftists who are also armed. It's they it, it, it's it's almost like they get deflated and they're no longer mm. interested in picking a fight with anybody and that's kind of the point of firearms really um oh yeah <laughs> so it's 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 really neat i think it's really neat that you know we finally have that representation um for our causes for our for our things that you know typically <laughs> for the most part have just been populated with signs and uh, you know, pink hats and stuff like that. Um, so no, no offense uh, you know, to so, <laughs> you know pink hats and you know. I, you, yeah, no, you know, there's we, a <laughs> Jordan sells a his own mask, his own but... uh, pink hats. We we both. It's have a, one. I mean, it's a it could be, it's a hat. Also, you roll it up. Um, it's just got another use. Yeah, it has plenty of uses. I think I think uh, you have a good point about both sides being armed. Um. Because, you know, no one wants to pick a fight if they think they might lose. And if you look at history um, and you look at genocides, and I, I hate to bring this up uh, to, you know, I hate to doomer post, but a lot of people on the left are concerned about the possibility of genocides, of like entire marginalized groups being targeted by violence. Oh, it's not just the left. If you look at- I'm I'm a I'm I'm a libertarian and I'm worried about that too. Uh the 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 fundamentalist uh, conservatives uh really have me freaked out in this country. Yeah, and I mean I appreciate that cuz I think people are freaked out for good reason. Um but if you look at history, most genocides happen when one group is relatively disarmed. You know, their military power is low um and it's difficult for them to fight back against that genocide if a marginalized group has um the power to stand up against that it you know it's like oh hang on a minute let's talk about this <laughs> reevaluate yeah exactly and these and these gen- you know everybody so you know everybody uh, jokes about you know us with our, our rifles standing up against the government with like tanks and planes or whatever but historically, it's not uh, it's not always the 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 regular military or police of a of a country that carry out genocides. A lot of the times, um, you know, if, if somebody's coming, if 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 somebody's coming for you and your people uh, to to round them up or wipe them out, it's going to be like a uh, a private group that's that's sort of tacitly sanctioned by the state, right? You know, it's not. It's not always the people with 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 bombers and tanks and and you know eye in the sky, um, and so it becomes a lot more reasonable from that historical perspective uh, to fight back against these these groups of people with just you know conventional weapons that are available to civilians. Yeah, I I would absolutely agree with that. I think um, people who bring up points like that are not really dealing with reality. Um, you know, because of the the different ways that things play out in the real world, like low intensity conflicts and um Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Well that's <laughs> I think what I I know we're getting a little off topic here, but that that's something Nonsense. that I think people do that. failed No, never. 
um, I, I think people fail to realize is that, you know, we, we all talk about, cause at the end of the day, you know, whether you believe that our rights come from a piece of paper or are innately ours, um, you know, we, we are protecting ourselves to maintain our rights and whether those rights are being, uh, taken away by the government or a, a group of people who don't see us as equal, um, it's for the same purpose and we guns are an equalizer they they always have been they always will be i mean you and and you don't even have to have the same kind of firepower as the person who's against you look at what just happened in uh in um indiana yeah the mall mall yeah yeah yeah, yeah. dude had a did we find out what kind of gun it was yet or i'm I'm reading glock um (laughs) Which Glock? I keep seeing Hellcat memes. It doesn't. I mean, it's, it's same difference, right? I mean, we're it's a it's yeah. A, well, the guy had a compact a good, polymer striker fired. Yeah, Good Samaritan who wasn't permitted, um, but because they just passed their permitless carry law, um, was legally armed. Uh, dropped a dude with an AR from forty yards away. Eight out of ten shots hit the guy. Dude, and I'm reading. And, I'm reading that the the updated uh, timeline is that he he engaged him like fifteen seconds after he started shooting. Yes, and yeah, this is just a regular dude. This is just uh just just a dude with practice, just a guy. I mean, his name is uh, yeah Elijah with like twelve letters. <laughs> and <laughs> we don't need to make fun. Of every time name. I spell it, I fuck it up. But I mean, just dude's a Eli. fucking diesel. Dude, like good, good on him. But anyway, what I'm saying is, is that I mean that is that is typically what these wars, how these wars are fought. Now, you know, you look at what's happening in Myanmar, you you look at, uh, you know, what's going on down in Africa, what what has happened in our own history, you know, in the Middle East, uh, in Vietnam, it's it's not military against military. It's it's people with rifles against a larger and 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 uh, more technologically superior force. And. Do, they do a pretty good job of keeping them at bay, and and you know you could have a pistol and fuck somebody up with an AR. You could have a bunch of bunch of people in their backyards with with rifles and and fuck up a sophisticated military. It's totally possible, and it's happened before. Yeah, I think it's kind of like um, if a you know if a dog is chasing you, you, typically you're at least for me, I'm not afraid the dog is going to kill me, but. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna but hurt. You don't want to get bites me. Yeah, you don't want to mess with it. So nobody wants to, nobody wants to fist fight a dog, right? Yeah. No, no. so it's like, it's like, it's not about, you know, it could very well be that the, uh, that you know, the the Christian fundamentalist, Christo fascist uh, militia uh, believes that they can uh, take all of the trans people in Texas and and you know. You know, put them in their death camps, uh, and they, they they you know might believe that they have the numbers to do it, but it might cost them more than they're willing to to spend on that. You know, um, and that's that's that calculation is really important. It's not it's not being untouchable and undefeatable. It's it's increasing the cost of the uh, of the aggression of the other side. Yeah. Yeah, and maintaining that uncertainty. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Sorry. I'm- I mean, I forget that a lot of people listen to this. I almost say things sometimes that I'm like, ah, that would get Same. me a knock Just on my door. <laughs> I was going to say that's why it's important to fly a drone with a grenade over their 
house every now and then. <laughs> it doesn't, not a real grenade. Not a real grenade. For that would be illegal. Yeah, yeah. You know, like one of the dummy grenades that a better way to a sells. On a better way to a. Exactly like that. Just increase uncertainty. Anyway, uh, FBI agent, I'm not that fake grenades. Um, one of, one of these days, it's going to be but, a real one. Not that I'm supporting at all, or anyone from a better way to a. <laughs> Um, so how did you guys get started with, uh, with your, your chapter of the John Brown gun club? How, um, what did you, what made you guys I mean, feel like really there needed to be one in your area kinda, and, and what did you do to start like one up? Bubble was saying earlier, we just kind of fell together. It wasn't necessarily a, a sit down and talk this out, figure this out kind of thing. It was more like a, you see the same people over and over and over regardless of what the space is protest or a homeless camp or whatever you know you start to develop a trust with the people and um especially when you're in high intensity situations like that you can figure out who you trust pretty quick and i think a lot of us have just felt a little bit of distrust in in the rest of the world that it's it's good to find that group together and be able to build one another up and teach each other and make ourselves better in the process. That's cool. And y'all definitely look cool uh, while you're doing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Speaking of looking cool, one of our... um, (laughs) One of our one of our uh, listener questions that was sent in was, uh, "Who are y'all wearing black in the Texas heat without a heat casualty?" <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they exactly. hide their casualties so as not to expose their weaknesses. <laughs> oh, Smart. Um, yes. Exactly. No, it's been it's been tough. Um, you know, we're in over 100 degree heat a lot of the time out here, and um, dude, this I think heat part of it goes sucks. to acclimation. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're pretty used to being outside. We do a number of activities outside, like uh, helping camps and uh, training outside, um, and then electrolytes and water. Just a ton of oh yeah electrolytes and water. Can't forget um, the salt, man. Yeah, you know, it's kind of fun because I feel like we figured out all of the best, uh, all of the best electrolytes, and we use different mixes. But we've got your Pedialyte, your Liquid IV, uh, oh, that stuff is so Salt good. Stick. But yeah, just take all of it. Do you get the Soon, Liquid IV from Costco? Sometimes, yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah, that's where I get that they it. have over there. I don't live close enough to. I live like forty minutes away from a Costco, but. It is it is one of those things that's always just been slightly out of grasp that uh is what, Costco? just Costco, yeah. It's just it's just beyond like the realm of convenience. And the transaction what are you looking cost at like forty is minutes too is high. <laughs> like forty you know what it is? It's like the, the supermarket that we is near us is literally five minutes down the road. So forty minutes to go. Yeah, somewhere. but they don't have liquid IV. Oh. I know. And they don't be have like, uh, $1. $1. Be $1. like hot dogs. G C Get we are lucky. Money. We have like ten of them over here. That's awesome. 
You're blessed. No, man. And I've been a I've been truly, a truly I've blessed. been a Texan since I was born here. Uh, I've lived in Texas and Arizona, and uh, I got to tell you, man, this this heat acclimatization is one thing, but um, this heat at this time of year is pretty it's pretty wild. Yes. That's yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. It's a major um, operational concern, I'm sure. Yeah, we do have to just look after each other um, because you can find yourself just suddenly struggling with the heat, you know, under black clothes and the weight of your gear and everything. And do you guys do you guys need to wear like all black, or is that a stylistic choice, or is, or is it like a, like like PID, right? Yeah, I'd say it, I'd say it's a mix of both. Um, you know, there's a reason that people wear black. It's an easy way to look uniform, to conceal your identity, protect yourself from doxing and things like that. Um, but it's also become a symbol and it's, it's pretty interesting, uh, you know, given what the mainstream narrative about Antifa is, um, when people see us in all black clothes, they recognize, Hey, that's Antifa. But at least around here, that's associated with like those people are security. Those people like carry water and electrolytes. Uh, if you have questions about like, you know, what time we're starting to march, you can go ask them. It's like those people are here to help. Um, and so that, you know, that's been a useful part of it too. That people don't have to directly recognize us. They can just be like, oh, we've seen those people before. Like they're, they're, they're cool. It's awesome that people connect connect uh, that to those kind of those kind of thoughts, and that you guys are uh, like a trusted source of information and, and there for the right reasons. Um, I think a lot of the media narrative does a lot to derail that sort of uh, notion that that Antifa is there for for good reasons. And there's there's tons of video that people love to cir- I say tons of video. There are a few videos that people love to circulate a ton of times to kind of like like they go to www.imright.com and that's the video they <laughs> well, pull up. That, and I think the other thing that, too is you know, is talking about Antifa like it's some sort of a, yeah. a monolithic organization as opposed to just sort of like a, a way a way of being, you know? Like I mean it's like it's like you well, guys yeah, are saying like it. even even John Brown uh Gun Club isn't uh it's not like an, a national organization. It's just like a you know, he, here's a set of I, of of loose ideals you know, and, and we can take this name to sort of show what we're about, right? You know, I'm sure that there's Antifa guys out there that are just, just in it to smash property or whatever, but that doesn't mean that, like, I mean, that that, that, sh- that shouldn't discredit. That's not Antifa, though. That's, right, right. Yeah, exactly. That's that's no different than making a, a, a judgment about a whole group of people based on individual yeah, experiences. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Like that's that's what I'm getting that, at. One person on that group. Yeah, it's it's... It's and it's not, and it's not it's worth just saying, as ignorant as being a racist. Well, it's, or, it's like you, you can you could pin down somebody who somebody who identifies themselves as Antifa and be like, why don't you explain this behavior of this other Antifa person? And you know it doesn't make any sense because they don't have anything to do with each other. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, anyone wearing black block is going to get tagged as being Antifa, and you know we we're not necessarily opposed to property damage. If it's like, you know, keep this Starbucks out of my neighborhood, I don't I don't find that objectionable. I there have, you know, sometimes people will um do things I don't agree with. And certainly, 
Um, people who I don't think should have been targeted may have gotten targeted. But I have no idea who those people that did that is. At the end of the day, it's just people wearing black clothes. Yeah, exactly. You're not accountable for every single person who dresses like you. And, and like no group, no person is for any member of their group unless, you know, you're unless you're in the military or, or you know, something like that, which even that is, you know, that's loosely loose, loose accountability. But, <laughs> yeah. As we yeah, found it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you guys so you guys came together, uh, you said just loosely with with, you know, just being in the same places at the same time multiple times and, and sharing similar interests. Um, what could somebody who wants to join a John Brown gun club do to find one? Um, what, what is involved with joining your club, your John Brown gun club? Um, and do you do any kind of vetting process? Uh, are there like, I know you said you're not, it's not a formal organization, obviously, but um, do you have to go to like range cleanup days? How does, how does that work? How do you guys, how do you get people? Well, honestly, a lot of the new members, people, people that are interested in, are typically going to feed that interest off of an experience that they have. Uh, a lot of times that's just meeting us. Um, I honestly think if, if someone is wanting to get involved or get organized, the most important thing to do is to just show up. Uh, I know sometimes people can feel a little alone, but there's always something going on somewhere, whether you're directly affected or your neighbor is affected uh, or your whole block is affected. It's it's just a matter of touching grass and figuring out what the need is in the community and figuring out how to achieve it. Obviously, Gun Club is the name but it's about community building so much more than just guns. Guns are just a tool. Right. And the John Brown. Emph emphasis on the club, not the gun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anyone coming into yes, our space <laughs> is going to be... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're just going to make sure that we're safe and... Just because someone is interested doesn't mean that this is necessarily the space for them. Uh, obviously, there can be ideological differences or accessibility differences or any number of things, but it's not it's not just us verifying someone. It's them verifying that we stand for what they want to stand for, too, because we all have to be united in a cause. Otherwise, what's the point? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point too. And and so as far as ideological differences go, is there? And this probably goes differently for for every uh, every John Brown gun club. But um, but we have you guys here, and uh, that's why I'm asking this question. How? What are your limits for for ideological differences? Like, what kind of disagreements would you allow? Well, really, and, I mean, I, I think the only go, um, the only few to, hard to lines. Out? are if someone has decided to become more of an enemy of their community and become a cop. We don't, we don't organize with cops or we don't even typically work alongside 
groups that organize with cops because it, they're the plague of the, the community. They don't do anything to improve it. Um, and really anything, anything else that, you know, no racist, no bigots, no homophobes, no transphobes, uh, anyone that, that is going to make a member of the community feel unsafe in any capacity is probably just not the right person for that. Um, those aren't absolutes because people obviously change, but those hard lines are absolute anytime that something like that happens, that's going to be someone that isn't safe to be around. I, I wouldn't limit it to the binary of ideology because even that is a, a very fluid concept, but it's more about how someone interacts with their community and whether they, they choose to be united with it or against it. That's great. I, I I really like that. That uh obviously, yeah, you know, nobody wants to hang out with with any kind of phobe or or racists or or people that make people unsafe, but that's um I think it's really neat that you guys have and obviously you're not going to find any of that here, but that that you you don't have hard lines for for things that can change because um I I'm sure we all know somebody who thinks differently now than they did 5 years ago and that doesn't necessarily mean that they were a bad person. Then it just means that they weren't exposed to the right information or the, the information that was required to, to show them a bit of perspective. Um, so that's, that's cool that, that, that y'all are open to that. Um, what I think that's, yeah, as long as they're just not a shithead in general. Yeah. I think that's really fitting because your namesake, John Brown himself was, was a bit of a, I want to say like an enigma, you know, uh, or, or really just that he sort of defied classification uh, in his time, but also now it's kind of difficult to to pin down exactly what he was, either in the lens of, of the politics of his time or, or contemporary politics. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of leftists and specifically a lot of socialists like to uh, um, uh, sort, sort of model their iconography after him. Um, but I mean, what, what about him specifically appeals to you guys, um, <laughs> in, in this context? Besides being a badass, besides being a fucking slaveholder murdering, the, uh, in the vacuum just of wonderful time human when being. he existed, his way of doing things was a little unorthodox, uh, and not just in, in the lens of, the most popular events that you know everybody harkens back to uh but even just the his modus of of operation a lot yeah, of sure. um a lot of history about him is kind of either lost or untold and he was really one of the first in 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 the the counter revolution time you know 1776 to reconstruction He's really one of the first to actually ally with the people that he was fighting for, right? Um, so there's there's still a, a lot to be said about the the white saviorism, yeah, and especially true. in the way that he's portrayed by predominantly white scholars and historians. But there's a lot that gets discounted, like his his training from the Haitians and learning from the Haitians after the Haitian Revolution, that 
really drove a lot of what that ideology was in him. Yeah. Um, Well, it says a lot too that the uh, the kind of the the government that he wanted to create, um, he he envisioned it as a as a you know like a primarily um, the, his his sort of revolutionary government right his provisional right. government exactly he envisioned it as a black government um, not as just a bunch of white people taking care of black of people. doubting the infallibility of the state, uh, especially in in as young of terms as it was, you know that's. That's a, a huge thing to, to make that recognition of something that people are so obsessed with the portrayed betterment of doubting that and doubting that in a, in a way that can actually enact demonstrable change. There was obviously a lot of abolitionists at the time that did make a huge impact, uh, but the ones in the state houses didn't. It was it was the people actually putting words to action that did, and that's you know that's that's kind of why the namesake is so important because yeah that yeah. abolition and that consideration of the doubt that's the crux of everything. Man, that's a killer answer. Hey everyone, this is an ad for our Patreon, so if you don't feel like listening to it, feel free to fast forward about a minute. But if you like what we do and want to support us, then listen in. Don't you wish every commercial came with that little blurb? So if you're new to the neighborhood, Patreon is a website that allows us to funnel our desire to make this podcast into a shameless cash grab. Kidding. But really, it's just a way for you guys to show us that you support us, that you like what we're doing, you like what we're about, you want us to do more, expand, do bigger and better things like take over Tesla and SpaceX and kidnap Elon Musk whatever the details don't matter but in return for your support we have multiple tiers available with some sweet perks ranging from stickers to discount codes to shirts and a lot of other things that are exclusive only to our patreon your contributions will help us offset some of the costs of running this podcast as well as keeping me fully stocked with spiked coffee beverages for those late night recording sessions and fueling andrew's unhealthy thirst for revenge against Wooby's shoes He's building a mech robot in his garage. It's a little weird. I think he's planning to do something strange with it. But anyway, if any of this tickles your fancy, then please go to the link in our Instagram bio or patreon.com slash a better way to a to check it out or don't. But it would be cooler if you did. Anyway, back to the show. Enjoy. Yeah, that uh, that sums that up pretty well. Um, I think there are a... What was I going to say? Um, or how do I say this? There are a... Like you said, the white saviorism is still a thing. Um, that uh, It's almost like nimbyism now. You know, that uh, people people have um, this outward uh, uh, persona that they want to do good, but... Um, it's always kind of paired with don't. that racism of low expectations, right? That the, the vulnerable people cannot... And, and will not take care of themselves. And so it is incumbent upon the white liberal yeah, to, to do so for them. Um, I, I, right. I think it is, it is uh, very, very on the nose of, of what I think John Brown would think it was awesome that there are gun clubs uh, or, I mean, I even, you know, I hesitate to even call you guys a, a gun club outside of saying your name in full now because of what, what everything that you do. But 
um i i think he'd be very proud that there there are groups like y'all out there doing doing the stuff that um he left off with yeah man yeah i think it's important that uh, you know people listen to the marginalized people um it's it's good to want to help people but making up in your own mind like what those people need or how to help them is is the problem you know actually go to the communities and say like how can i help you these are my skills like you know kind of tell me what you need yeah and like just take your ego out of it right like you know if you yeah. don't get an answer that you like just, you know okay do you guys see the video of AOC pretending to get arrested oh, while marching down the street? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. You know, and the a- <laughs> getting a- God, if we can just go on a tangent, AOC is such a disappointment for me because I actually really liked her and the squad. Uh, so did I. Well, I liked her. I didn't know much about. I, you know, so. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, this this kind of this kind of gets into the. The, the capitalism thing and um, material interest, because we've talked about this a lot. I think a lot of us had uh, high hopes for AOC, was excited by what it seemed like she was trying to do. But once you start attending these parties with all of these establishment people, all of these masters of the universe, that's going to inherently like change your attitudes, change who you are as a person, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then how how do you still appeal to your constituents uh, if if you're not voluntarily putting your arms behind your back, looking like you're you're handcuffed while getting escorted out of a protest by a uh, by a very friendly and and not forceful police officer? Yeah, I think that's why we emphasize community so much. It's important that you, um, you know, if you're a part of a community, you stay physically around near that community so that there's you know it's not like oh i'm uh it's election season i'm gonna visit for a couple days right it's like i know what's going on i know your car broke down i know what's going on in your life Um, the people from washington are concerned about the people in in washington you know they're concerned about their colleagues and they're concerned about their their work shit they're not concerned about you know the the day-to-day of 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 their communities yeah always so, so you, you guys, I don't know how deep you want to get into your, 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 uh, economic politics, but you know, um, you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, this gets into the, the capitalism thing, right? Um, you know, is that, is that an important part of the, the John Brown gun club too? Or is that, is that something where, you know, it's, it's sort of like up to the, the members, um, uh, sort of like personal politics or, or rather, let me rephrase that. Um, is that one of the things that you guys have, have tolerance and like flexibility for, um, for sort of like different views on uh, economic systems? I think in the group, we have a lot of different ideas for, um, economic systems. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, eco-anarchist thought that is very different from like a, more modernist anarchist thought, I guess. Um, but I would say for the most part, everyone is at least skeptical of capitalism. Sure, and sure. Uh, even though a lot, you know, a lot of us 
came through libertarianism or had a libertarian phase. But it's hard not to be skeptical. Yeah. You know, yeah. in this world with who is who is benefiting, how things are distributed, um, and you know all of the historical ways that that you know that wealth inequality happened. Yeah. It's a, it's a compounding of of uh, things over time. Well, you know, and I, I think that that's really interesting that a, a lot of people um, who sort of like publicly identify with John Brown ha- have similar answers to that. And I think that that's really interesting when you get into John Brown's own relationship with capitalism and, um, you know, the way that he always kind of struggled uh, to, to, you know, he, he wasn't very successful in business. He was always trying um, but I think that he he couldn't quite interface with the way that business was done in his time because I think that he had a a different idea about like what the what the role of like people should be um, in the economy. I think that he always uh, I, I think that he was more concerned with um, being productive and helpful than than generating value. You know what I mean? And that's it's a weird distinction yeah. to make, but no, I really think it is a challenge to um, fully respect and value people, and also to prosper under capitalism because um, you know you need to get profits out of people, and even if you are treating an employee nicely and you're you're paying them well relative to the market or what have you. At the end of the day, you have to make more money off of them than they are generating. Otherwise, you're going to go out of business. Um, and you know, I I think I think that can be uh, extrapolated to you know John Brown and and similar figures. Really, not you know struggling to uh, keep businesses afloat. It's 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 a very different way of thinking. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know that he would have called himself anti-capitalist, but I think a lot of the things that he said probably went on to inform what became the, the anti-capitalist and the socialist movements later, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, a pretty interesting discussion that has been entering our um, ideological conversations recently is whether, you know, what is the place of slavery in capitalism? Because... The yeah. old model was, um, you know, slavery is an like an ancient world kind of thing, and capitalism advanced us past this. But the current situation in the U.S. with so many people in prisons and those people in prisons generating so much money by producing products yeah. from Nike, IBM, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff. You kind of get the sense that maybe John Brown wouldn't like that. <laughs> yeah, he definitely he would have had some things to say about that. But it's brought back into the conversation that it's like, hey, if the goal here is to get the most money out of your workers, you can't get more money out of someone than if they are enslaved, especially when it's allied to a government system because these companies don't even feed the prisoners, you know, they're not yeah. even the the prisons are paying for um the you know for keeping their prisoners alive and then the companies come in and they can get labor at six cents an hour or what have you. 
Yeah, totally agree. Which is absolutely insane that that's even possible in in our country. You know, we 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 hold ourselves, or some people hold ourselves in such high yeah, regard. Some of us do. Uh, you know, and compare. Well, yeah, I say some. Um, compare ourselves. Compare uh, you know ourselves to countries like China that we 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 know for a fact have child labor and uh, like slave wages, but then we completely discount the fact that we have our own uh, pretty much slavery here in our prison system. Yeah, and are so dependent on it. Like the firefighters yeah. in California, you know, they're saving cities, yeah. they're saving lives. And they're making basically nothing. They're, you know, they're close to being slaves. Yeah, that's criminal, I think. And, you know, I don't want to... Yeah, miss- the, the wildland firefighters, right? Yeah. I think... Yeah, I think you're right. No, Sorry. I just want to say I don't want to misrepresent myself. I, I am a like a literal, actual capitalist. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's like you said. Um, you know, I, I think everybody in their right mind is at least a little skeptical of what's going on here in America, right? Well, I think... I think if you engage in capitalism, it's kind of hard not to call yourself at least it's a spectrum, you know, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I'm on the, I'm on the capitalist spectrum. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like I think about this and I, I, I have, I have conflicts every now and then when I, when I start to think about this, you know, running, running a business, um, you know, a better way to a, at the end of the day is a business and, um, the, the object of it the business side, not necessarily the, the advocacy stuff is, is to make money. I mean, if I break even or lose money, then, then it's not successful. And, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I have to look at, uh, when, when we get a new product, it's like, well, what can I reasonably charge for this? Like, what would I want to pay for something like this where I wouldn't feel like I was getting ripped off? And I don't want to, you know, nobody wants to take advantage of people, even though there's, there's, there's tons of people who, who obviously do it in, in the, gear market and and things like that and and uh you know it's it is it's sometimes it's uncomfortable when you think you know okay uh um i don't know like what's the margin we need to make to p- keep up with credit card interest or like yeah you know right. or pay pay off pay off this credit card you well, know and especially that, because that for, I, for you that you know part of your end goal is having enough is is having enough money uh, to to donate to these these um like mutual aid organizations and, and other things. Um, yeah. and so it's like you you've it's got nice to, to have extra cash in a, in the bank yeah. to do that. And you, you've got to have some business acumen but. to be able to get to the point where you can support your operations and uh support these causes that 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 is ostensibly like the the reason that this this uh, brand exists, right? Yeah, absolutely. And our our I say our it's. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to my, my wife about this, but the the end goal and, and not to say end goal because there's there's no end to this, but I would love to get no to end. a point where I could sponsor people uh, in low income areas to get their pistol permit and in places that, uh, you know, are financially inex- uh, inaccessible to do so, because it's still even if you have live in a state where you don't have to not even just a permit, but, you know, to be um, and if there are any lawyers out there, please, please, who, who feel like answering this question for free. Um, <laughs> sponsoring somebody to buy their first gun, uh, that would be awesome. You know, that you can, you can give somebody, you can give somebody firearm. money, um, yeah. and, they, and they buy and, and they, their they own go gun through all the, yeah. the paperwork and stuff. And, and, uh, that would be, 
that would be amazing for for us to get to that point. And and unfortunately, you know, we to get to that point though, we do have we have to charge people uh, an x x amount of dollars over what we bought something for to have that extra money in the bank to do so. I mean, um, yeah. So I mean, we we get that people have to survive under capitalism, and we have worked with um, you know business owners before. Usually, if they're having like a venue that's being threatened um, by some kind of fascist action or something like that, um, I think you know. I think what unites us is this belief that everyone in the community has to be taken care of. Um, and what we found is that uh, you know you can just start doing it. Um, so. A lot of us are working class people. We don't have a lot of money to spare, but um, you know, by pooling all of our connections yeah. and all of our time, um, we can get pallets of bottled water and um, food from different sources, um, and uh, you know, just just start going. And uh, you know, we we know of uh, a lot of people that have been gifted guns. Um, you know, you just, uh, you scrimp and, and, and save and make things happen. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. And you know, for all of, uh, Texas's shortcomings, I am, uh, super glad, uh, that we finally got a constitutional carry through and that, uh, at least in that aspect, our, 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 our laws have been greatly liberalized. Although, um, you know, it's a little frustrating that, that, you know, e- even with open carry and constitutional carry, um, police are still able to, um, I forget the exact wording, but it's like, you know, have, having a gun on you is, is still in Texas, uh, cause for, you know, it, acceptable cause, I guess, for, for like a police officer to like stop you and question you. <laughs> yeah. That's why we really? travel in groups. Yeah. You know? Almost anything can be probable cause, uh, but there are, are things you can do to affect whether it will be used. Yeah, as whether they cause. press the issue, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I, we're very grateful for constitutional carry, I, th- I think. I uh, can't speak for everyone, but, um, I mean, we're, we're not big fans of the constitutional part, you know. Are we right, the, the term constitutional yeah. Yeah. carry, sort of a term of art, but... Um, I suspect we, we yeah, yeah. probably feel similarly about the Constitution itself, and uh, you know, but it's your right to protect yourself. Not doesn't come from a piece of paper. A piece of paper written by a bunch of dead people. Right, exactly. But um, it does give us a lot of options, and I think, um, you know, it, it can't save lives like we saw in the mall shooting. That that guy was actually in a gun free zone, um, but you know, thank yeah. God he did not. Pay attention to that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, carry everywhere, man. That's that's one of the um, that's one of the the conflicts that I see with a lot of new shooters who who come into the the sphere of realizing all these places that they can't carry, or that they're not supposed to. But um, in in the same universe where these mass shootings keep happening in the areas they're told not to carry. Um, I think we really got to stop. Um, we got to stop framing the good owners, the good gun owners, as law-abiding gun owners, right? 
So you always hear that all the time, I agree, right? One hundred percent. Law abiding gun owners. Maybe maybe yeah, we don't need to abide gun owners. I, I like the term responsible gun owner. Yeah, I love that. I don't think responsible has anything to do with law. Um, civil disobedience. Got to, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with civil disobedience when done right. And I think if you're going to dis, dis, uh, disobey a sign on the wall and it ends up saving countless lives because you chose to carry in uh, a place that was was labeled otherwise, um, I don't I don't know who's going to fault you for that. I mean, I do know who's going to fault you for that. There are plenty of people faulting uh, yeah. Elijah for that who say that he should be prosecuted for, for doing so. But um, I think that has to be whatever you're comfortable with, whatever whatever somebody's comfortable with. But I absolutely think that you should carry everywhere. Everywhere there isn't a metal detector and you're going to embarrass yourself <laughs> yeah. um, when you try to carry there. But <laughs> Yeah, I think it really uh, highlights the hypocrisy or the the failure of the law because um you know pretty much anywhere in the u.s you can carry if you're a police officer um yeah it's bullshit yeah and yet police officers never stop mass shootings it's always it's always some random guy it was a um a black woman in charleston west virginia earlier this year it was uh johnny hurley in colorado earlier this year yeah the one, the woman in South Carolina who stopped the the guy circling the parking lot who came back to shoot up the party. Yeah, yeah, she stopped a mass shooter with her with her purse Fucking gun. Champion. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and that yeah. story about Hurley. But, we but were these just events to about that uh, in, a, yeah. in a previous episode, and it's just like, man, it just like haunts you thinking about stuff like that. Well, because that's I feel like that's every every gun owner's worst fear, really. Every, you know, I I think the oh, I the Rambo esque. Uh, fantasy that some gun owners have is that they're going to be the good guy with the gun one day. Um, you know that they're going to be the savior and and save lives. Uh, not everybody thinks that, obviously, but but I think the thought goes through all new gun owners' minds that they might have to do that one day. And can you imagine, you know, at the the highest peak of your life, having just stopped somebody from committing a mass shooting and just getting taken out by the people who are supposed to be there to protect the people in the first place. Yeah, it was no, truly, truly horrible. And I, America is so full of tragedies that, you know, we, we don't, we don't even dwell on cases like that. We don't give them the time uh, and thought that they deserve. Agreed. But I um, remember what, yeah, well, and that's why it's important to, you know, everyone, everyone, I I, I keep, I keep thinking of Fight Club references. <laughs> His name was Robert Paulson. Like, but seriously, like, you know, we got to We have to say people's names, say people's names, keep them, keep them in people's, uh, the forefront of people's memories on, uh, I hate that I have to keep adding anniversaries of, of posts I'm going to have to make in a year. Uh, oh man! Uh, somebody, somebody, rem- one of know, my friends memorializing people who died for shitty reasons. Like, yeah, one of my friends was like, "I'm so mad right now," and my immediate response was, "Oh, about what?" And then I realized what a shitty situation it is that I, you know, it's like there's so many national fucking outrages all the time that I'm like, which one? Which one are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw a Twitter thread earlier today that is you know the kind of thing that you'll see a lot. But it was about arming school teachers, and it was like you know if four hundred cops with training and guns, um, you know, can't stop a school shooter, 
what is the point of arming school teachers? And I want to caveat this by saying school teachers should not have to be armed. Um, yeah. All of this, you know, thinking about how we can defend our communities, um, it's not a solution to the violence. The, you know, the violence should not be happening. Right, but right. But that, that aside, um, I did think back to some research I saw that showed, uh, on the one hand, cops basically never stop a school, uh, mass shooting. But on the other hand, teachers do often. They're usually unarmed. Um, like that one like, of the teacher who bear hugged the student with a shotgun. Yeah, it, it, it happens like over 20 times a year. Oh, yeah. Um, a teacher will intervene and stop a mass shooting. So it's like, well, the teachers are brave and want to protect the kids. The cops are not. That is, you know, that's the flaw with your logic there. Well, and it, it's always also telling the way they yeah. phrase it. They're like arming teachers where it's like, I, I don't think I think maybe some people are talking about that. But and this is another thing I think we talked with Rogue Rescue about was like, you know, maybe maybe, yeah. you know, reframe it a little bit. Maybe don't talk about arming teachers, but allowing teachers uh, to carry guns that they're already allowed to carry elsewhere. You know, not all of them will right. do it, but not all, not all of them have to do it for it to be effective. Yeah. No, not even. Uh, I'm sure some of them don't want to. I have, I have a yeah, friend absolutely. of mine who's a teacher who has her pistol permit and has no interest in doing it. And that's fine. But. I think removing a school as a gun-free zone, like we were saying, people people deciding where to where to carry illegally, um, and not all places where it's posted is is illegal by the law. Sometimes it's it's because it's private property and it's posted. You you uh, it's it's uh, I know in Connecticut it is illegal. It's a class E felony, but some states you just you kind of get escorted out and and you might get a ticket. But um, I think just removing the the gun free zone um in 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 quotes uh from schools will get rid of cuz you know I hate to say it but I'm I'm I would be very surprised if there wasn't a single teacher in the United States who had a gun on their person or nearby um at at the behest of their school policies because how I mean I I think about this whenever I go to a concert whenever I go to a uh you know like a large populated gathering how could I not carry right now and i'm sure teachers some of them who are who are armed have the same thoughts you know how could i not be carrying right now to protect myself and my students it's it's absolutely crazy to expect somebody not to want to do that but yeah that's a good point that it is removing the criminalization of people you know if they want to carry in those areas um exactly yeah i i think a teacher should be able to carry anywhere a cop can yeah. How do you manage solidarity with groups that have similar values as yours? Are any of them firearms organizations? Uh, and if so, how do you how do you encourage solidarity with with groups that share similar values as yourselves? Yeah. Um, I mean, we always try to let people know if we're going to come to their thing. We don't just show up with guns because that could, uh, you know, that could be an issue. Um, we work with a lot of different groups. I would say relatively few of them are firearms groups. Um, you know, we're 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 always trying to make the community stronger in the different ways that that looks like. So, like during the winter storm, we came together with a bunch of different groups just because everybody needed water, everybody needed heaters. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, <clears throat> in in most places, I think there's kind of a kind of an activist scene. You know, the the people who uh, help out at homeless camps are the same people who do um, uh, like bail funds. Are the same people who do all kinds of stuff. Um, so we have cultivated relationships over a long period of time. Um, and so we can just directly talk to most people and, uh, you know, if they need help with an event, whether that's in our capacity of carrying firearms or not, um, you know, they know they can reach out to us and, uh, we will come support them. Neat. That's, that's cool. And you, you do that based on previous working relationships with them. You're not, uh, I, I, I don't I don't see I don't see you guys going and like marketing yourselves to groups. I, it sounds to me like groups come to you and ask you for uh, either help or or um, it's kind of happenstance that, that y'all y'all bump into each other. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, especially, I think these days, due to the higher profile, our name will come up in conversations a lot. Like, who do we want to invite? You know, who can help us with? Um, sound systems who can help us with security. Oh, John Brown Gun Club. Wait, let That's me cool. let me it's, clarify. It's something... um, were you when you said who can help us with sound systems? Was that meant to be another example of like you know things that some pe- people might be like asking about, or are you saying that you guys also do sound systems? <laughs> um, that would be an <laughs> example of of something you would ask other people for. Okay, okay. Uh, just you know, just just for, you know, we are your security <laughs> and your DJs yeah. tonight. Just, you know, cuz that's an interesting um uh crossover there if that was the case. But but I understand what you mean now. Yeah, it was just because things like sound equipment or generators or things like that are pretty expensive. So uh like I was talking about earlier with just finding resources like you know, if you want to have a thing where there are speakers, um, you probably don't have the money to go out and buy a stage and a sound system. But you know a, a guy who knows a guy that has sound equipment, and then you're like, hey, we're, you know, we're doing a rally or whatever. Can you bring your sound stuff? Yeah, and I think it's it's cool to... Uh... I think it's awesome that people have an option to keep security within the community also. Cause I, I think that often gets overlooked um, that not only do, do a lot of these uh, demonstrations not have security, but uh, if, if people have an interest in getting security um, it's, it's nice to have people there providing it who have a stake in the argument also, instead of just, you know, names and numbers of people who are getting paid by the hour and, and don't really have the the emotional attachment to the issues, so um, I I think that's that's awesome that that you're able to provide something like that because trust is trust is everything, and, and knowing that the people aren't aren't being motivated by a paycheck, but it, instead um, true motivation to to the the cause is is something that I I don't think you get a lot of with uh, with things like security. You know, you don't ever see the guys guarding the stages at concerts. Uh, jumping on on stage and 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 doing doing crazy stuff to i don't know that was probably a bad example but um it's it's nice no, that, think, that you know everybody and i think you know what i'm trying to say yeah i think that's a that's an excellent point um it's really important to us that we uh keep focused on 
community safety first. So, uh, you know, we're not we're not cops. We're not going to arrest anybody for, you know, being drunk or anything like that. We are not private security. We're not there to protect That's a good point. the equipment and to protect uh, just the organizers. You know, I, I've seen videos of security guards, you know, just stand there while somebody gets stabbed or something like that. That's never going to be us. You know, we are there to keep people safe first and foremost. The There is no, like, contract that says we have to focus on these people or, or this property. So how would you... Um... How would you tell somebody who was interested in doing what what you do, um, but lives in a state where open carry is not permissible? Um, you know, you, you were talking earlier about black block and, and being able to be identified, obviously, so so people know who you're with and, and what you're there for. But do you have any tips for people who um, live in a state where where it might not be apparent that they are there providing security, but they want to? provide security and want people to know that they're there for that reason. Yeah, I saw that as one of the questions and I thought that was a really good question because it's difficult. Uh, our ability to carry long guns gives us a lot of options. Um, and if you, you know, you don't have those options legally, uh, it's, it's a challenge. I, I mean, I would say the first thing is you need to get to know the community you need to meet the organizers. You can't, you can't just show up and be like, hey, I'm here to protect you. Um, you know, you have to have relationships trust with me. people. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I'm here to help. Um, but, uh, you know, other than not following your local laws, which is not something I can recommend, um, there's other options. So one thing in Dallas that has been very helpful is using a giant flag. Uh, it's just a. It was a American flag in black and white, and it was the size of a city block. Like it was like thirty feet by sixty. Um, wow. Oh, so actually. Yeah, actually giant. Uh, and the the benefit of that, not you know, it, it makes a big political statement. But aside from that, it is impossible to run us over through like it's the size of a city block it will just swallow up your car um and so we we never had problems with angry drivers or anything like that that's often a problem we'll have i mean we don't we don't like occupy intersections for hours and hours um but even if it's like five minutes you know someone yeah. will start yelling or something There's always one yeah because so, you um, want to get your your people through the intersection without getting run over yeah yeah the inter yeah the intersections are a big danger area but the big flag it just kind of shut that thing down completely passively you know um completely i guess like passive intimidation like you can't do anything it's like trying to drive through a building so i think uh you know alternative methods like that and actually i think that's a better option if you can make it you know you got to actually sew together the giant flag but if you can do that that is actually safer than you know anti-material rifles or something like that um because it just it takes away the option you can't you literally cannot run us over so i think strategies like that alongside you know concealed carry if that's allowed or 
whatever else you want to do. Um, definitely don't be afraid to start up that group, start making connections with people, even if it's completely unarmed, just by uh, breaking up altercations yeah. um, and things like that. You can be very helpful for the community. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that you, you can do in it. What, what you're, what you're saying kind of, kind of jives with what I've always thought that, you know, bringing guns is part of it, but it's not the only part of it. And it's not even necessarily the first part of it. Right. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect this dude at all. Um, because you know, this, this is a guy that, uh, was, was very important in, in spaces that, that, uh, I was in online. Um, but I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, a guy named Garrett Foster was killed, um, uh, at a protest here in Austin. Um, and he had a rifle on him and he was, uh, you know, protecting his, his, um, disabled wife in an intersection from a, from an aggressive driver. Um, and that was, that was a huge loss for a lot of us. Um, it was, uh, very sad. Um, and it just, uh, you know, it just goes to show that it's like just being armed by itself. And again, no criticism of, of, of Garrett Foster, but just being armed by itself doesn't guarantee that you're going to be safe. Um, you know, especially in that context that you're talking about, you know, as you're navigating these, these city streets, um, there's a lot of organization, and a lot of planning that goes into, uh, um, keeping yourself safe while you're keeping other people safe. Um, and I, I think that, I think that figuring out how you might do that unarmed before you think about how you might do it armed is pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. The planning is, is the biggest thing. Um, you know, how, pushing out a perimeter and um, if there are people with bicycles or, or something else that can uh, help you with mobility, help to uh, you know, temporarily halt traffic, those things are extremely important. Um, yeah, you don't want to go in with a gun and no plan. Well, and think about how, you know, we, we always think of these physical means of security, but think about how important things like verbal judo, like de- de-escalation techniques are um, to providing security, preventing a, 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 a security issue from happening in the first place is extremely important. And I think, um, I'll, you know, as, as, as little as people talk about, it, it's starting to get better now, but we always talk about how people don't talk about medical enough. If you're a gun owner, you need, if you're a gun owner and you know how to make holes, you should know how to patch holes. Well, what if you didn't need to even get to the point where you needed to make or patch holes and you could just prevent the, the, um, incident from happening in the first place. And I, I think, uh, learning de-escalation techniques and working on that is, is, would be an excellent way to, uh, to provide some sort of security also. I mean, they have hostage, hostage negotiators for a reason, not, you know, so every, every, uh, cop on the street doesn't just have to get a chance to take their turn yelling at the person holding a gun to somebody's head. Some people aren't, aren't educated for that kind of stuff. And, um, I, I just think something like that is overlooked, um, as well. Right. Yeah. Everyone, everyone has a place, everyone has a fit and, you know, for some people, guns are just a non, non-starter, no matter what, be it because of mental health or because of incarceration or whatever. But there's a whole 
there's a whole lot that goes in to community defense that has nothing to do with guns and guns aren't even the first choice just like you said um so yeah everybody has a role everybody has a place and it's just a matter of finding what you have the most fine-tuned skill that you can you can improve the most upon yeah definitely <laughs> do you um do you guys have a an sra around your area uh or or in texas that you know of yeah there's quite a few chapters across texas there's a a pretty big group of them here in dallas and fort worth um so this person asked the question and why people should leave the sra to join uh jbgc well i wouldn't yeah i mean i wouldn't really advocate for leaving anything i think at the point that which you should leave something is when it makes you uncomfortable or is unsafe for you and it, that could be the sra or john brown gun club or your job whatever everybody's different everybody's yeah. experience is different uh, it sounds to me me like you guys have very similar goals um you know between the sra and the john brown gun club and you do a lot of the same outreach um that's that's been a really interesting conversation to have with my more conservative gun owning friends also when I advocate and or promote a, a local socialist rifle association or just one across the country. And uh, I always get comments in my in my inbox saying, Oh, what are you promoting socialism now? And it's like, No, dude, I'm, no, I'm promoting, promoting fucking changing people's taillights for free and giving people sandwiches. Like <laughs> yeah, that. Jesus. what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> when was the last time you did any of this? And it's it, it goes to show that, you know, I love the fact that you said earlier, it's more, um, it's, it's, you don't focus so much on the gun club. It's, it's just the name. Um, and it's, I think a lot of people get caught up with the name socialist rifle association. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is, this is socialism, but it's literally just helping out your community. And, and I think John Brown gun club does a lot of the same stuff. And, um, that's why, I, you know, no disrespect to the person who asked that question, but, uh, but I was like, ah, it's a word a little funny. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't think you'd have like. And I don't think it the, didn't uh, seem to me like there was a warring faction. There. No, 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 and I don't think it was meant as as that. But um, yeah, warring factions, warring factions of the the SRA and John Brown Gun Club uh, um, conflicts. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, okay. That's, but who who would win in a yes. fight, uh, SRA or, or John? Whose Brown dad Gun Club? would beat up the other dad? That's what the viewers want to know. Probably, asking the hard-hitting questions ours. yeah i think so i think john brown would beat up karl marx seven days a week <laughs> i think he's got a lot of reach <laughs> <laughs> he's a tall motherfucker um that one got me that one got me <laughs> sorry sorry it's also 98 percent humidity in the room you're recording in, so that probably got you a little bit too yeah i got my uh my bucket of damp red up there at the uh you have a manual dehumidifier? Yeah, it's called... Dam you don't use damp red? Oh, you're in Connecticut. I have a dehumidifier. What? Well, like a machine, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, like it's, the same, it's the same thing. It's, just, it's the damp red is just passive. It's just the... Oh, is it like the thing? It absor It gets all gooey and shit over time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just it open it up and it, it sucks up the humidity and then you just throw it, you just throw it out. It's not very environmentally okay. friendly, I suppose, but neither is a, a plug-in and a dehumidifier. First, 
Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, first thing I uh, first time I ever found one of those, and this is prime example of what happens at around the hour and a half mark. Uh, guys, <laughs> yeah. I apologize. But, and if you guys um, have any, any dehumidification stories, feel free to chime in. Yeah, this is this is prime dehumidifier story time. But uh, the first time I ever noticed one of those, I didn't know what it was. It was this. My mom filled like a drinking glass full of these beads. And, Why did she uh, take it, it out of the... It wasn't like I don't know because if you knew my mom, you'd be like, "Oh, that's clearly a thing that she would do." Um, I think the container broke or something like that. So it was like oh. in a big, uh, like a like a beer stein mug type thing. But it was did you after drink they'd it? been out. No, but it was after they'd been out for days, so it was 100% liquid, and I wasn't sure oh, what yeah. it is. So I, I put my hand in it because that's what you do when you don't know what liquid <laughs> just something. Just put his is. hand in there. I I put like three fingers in the glass, and the consistency was like I I drank ha- I drank uh, heavy cream once as a kid, thinking it was milk, and it was similar. My reaction was similar because I had no idea what that liquid was. It looked like water. It wasn't dyed or anything like that. And it came out like I uh, like I had just stuck my hand inside of an alien's butthole. <laughs> well, good thing you used uh, three fingers then and not four. Or the whole hand. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope a lot, everyone got something out of that little yeah. anecdote. Next question. Um, How's that for a segue? <laughs> Um, do either of you have any advice for people who are feeling like they don't have a place to go in the gun community? Because there's a ton of people who live in this country that don't have the luxury of being around people with, with similar views as them, um, who are gun owners. And, um, I, I think, I think sometimes it's a little intimidating for people, um, who feel lost, like they don't know where to go. Do you have any tips for people? Um, in situations like that? Um, I think I, I would have two different suggestions. One is, um, you know, you may not know about things that are going on in your area. Do, do, some, do some digging. See if you can't find some mutual aid going on. Um, or, you know, a protest group or something like that. And if you show up for those people, especially these days with, how many people on the left are coming over on owning guns? Um, you're, you know, you're bound to find someone to go shooting with. Uh, and the other suggestion would be, um, you can just start a JBGC or you can start, you know, a community defense uh, org. If you want to start, you know, anywhere town community defense and, um, you know, start talking on social media about what you're about, what you, you know, what your goals are. And uh, then other people like you will find you uh, in your local community. Um, so I think those are two, two ways you can get started. That was actually my next question. So thanks for answering that. Um, <laughs> how to start a John Brown gun club. But uh, that, I think that's, that's the perfect way to go about doing it. I mean, it's, it's, it's great that, I, I don't even want to call it an organization. It's great that it's decentralized. Um, that anyone can start one and it's like a brand. I th- yeah, it's like a brand, you know, um, but cool and not sold out, you know, we all, own and, it. we uh, all own it and no one owns it. It's, it's, that's really cool. Um, and I think 
for the people who can't find one, I think starting one with people who, who feel similar or, I mean, the internet's great. You know, you can start something with just yourself and I'm sure some people, people will find you because there are probably people near you who are thinking the same thing you're thinking and, uh, you know, will gravitate towards that kind of stuff, especially if, like you said, if you're going to similar events. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. You can start with one person. Um, we've heard of plenty of examples of that happening where, you know, the whole org was just uh, some person. Um, and then eventually they got more people and they started working together and it grew from there. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I love absolutely. that shit. It's just organic, well, it just, man. It's just grassroots. Yeah. Bottom up. Either one. All right. So DW Kaiser says they're asking about your your general kind of take on on what the role of of arms and and I guess the threat of force is to uh, being beneficial to, to social change as opposed to being sort of like passive and and resistive. Yeah, I think any real, I guess, social justice group or whatnot is gonna have right. inherently its own uh, its own dissolution at the at the end of it i mean as long as everything's working towards a goal that goal is a solution and then there's no more use for it anymore now now you're forward uh and guns are i mean they they play a role in the defending of ourselves and, and of our community, but they're just a, a very small piece of that puzzle. And I, I think it can become more of an issue when it becomes too important, whenever that's when you change between like if you're forcing it. Right. Uh, so isn't an, an important tool probably, but it should never be the focus or the sole focus. That's what those single issues tunnel in on and either lose sight of deliberately or accidentally the worst things that are going on around it. It can't be an obsession. It has to just be a, a, a tool of that movement. Um, you kind of hit the nail on the head with, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times and, and you know, it, it keeps coming up, but, but you guys aren't, um, oh, sorry. I'm gonna have to edit out that phone noise that my phone just made. Um, stop, stop messaging me, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Mute your phone. <laughs> I thought it's my computer. Anyway, um, you guys don't focus on the guns. You focus on the social issues, and the guns kind of come afterwards. And um, I, I. I think that is that's a that's a good way to be and and it is um I think you like you said focusing on the guns you kind of lose track of of the greater picture as a whole. So that that uh, but I appreciate your answer there. That was that was a good answer to a uh, a question that we had to read first to understand how to ask. So you having we have we have I think two more questions. Yeah, two more one, two more user questions, questions, two more questions and then I think it's bedtime. For for the uh for the listeners here um I know that uh, well, we're just disembodied voices playing through your car stereo, but uh, in real life, for us, it's uh, eleven fourteen uh, Central Time, so we're getting a uh, twelve fourteen Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, we're fizzling um, out a little bit. But Lover Deadly One but, wanted to know, um, 
What's your guys' take on OPSEC and internal conflict resolution? I don't know if they feel like those are related or if those are two questions that they're asking. Well, I mean, OPSEC is going to be key no, no matter what. And I think that's important. Uh, it's a really good highlight because it, there's no difference between us and anyone else that's doing some sort of work in their, in their community to improve it. If, if what you're doing fundamentally threatens whatever is holding the reins of power at that time, that always opens up the potential that you could be targeted. There's people that are targeted for absolutely nothing aside from existing. And taking the means to protect yourself, either online or wearing a mask or disguising your identity with clothing, I mean... In all aspects of it, if you're gone, you're you're out of the fight. So you have to keep that focus in mind of just protecting yourself because that that can offhand affect people around you too. Obviously, absolutely. Uh, what was the second part of the question? Internal conflict resolution. How do you how do you deal with that? I'm assuming they mean. Um having having issues within the john brown gun club uh or within like inter inter member conflict right that is that is also just as crucial because i mean history is also filled with the demise of leftist movements and a lot of the times that demise is rooted in in abuse and racism and misogyny uh yeah, and that that infighting in, in leftist groups and um, that 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 abusive positions of power is almost like a meme uh, for leftists right now. Sure, and it's it's so important to build that culture of of places where it's safe to learn, it's safe to grow, uh, because not everything is a fight or has to be a fight. Our whole purpose is is the betterment of everyone around us. So it's really important in those spaces to just keep a culture of understanding and learning. And when those boundaries are crossed, it has to be fixed. It's, you can't just completely, uh, just completely cut someone out of life or their existence. That's, that's what incarceration is. So people have to be given that opportunity to grow and learn, and they have to accept the fact that they're going to be wrong and be able to learn from it. And if everybody holds themselves accountable to that and just builds that culture of love, then, you know, that's where the infighting goes away. There you go, man. Tex, I have to say that you have had some well actually both of you um i if you guys didn't live half a country away i would absolutely join because you have you have sold the shit out of the john brown gun club this entire episode um as as just like a group of people i would want to spend as much time as possible with it's really cool because i think the things that we and this is what's really important in my mind the the little nuances that we would disagree on, I think, would be completely overshadowed by uh, what sounds like the importance of communication, 
that y'all have the the importance of learning perspective um and and you know all the things that make a make a family great um there are yeah i just i don't know i'm like gushing over here because hearing hearing you guys talk talk about this is just like all the shit that i think are you, are you we, feeling lonely over there in connecticut you don't have. I a, don't have any cool. Like, you don't have any kind like of like this. fraternity. No, I will. I will say no. We do have a Connecticut John Brown Gun Club. Oh yeah, of um, course. You already said that. Yes. My bad. No, no, no. That's they're that's okay. Also, um, they're also rad had, as hell. Really? That's cool. We haven't had much interaction, but they. I. I. I see a couple of their posts every now and then, and uh, I would hope with somebody sharing the namesake, they would be they'd be cool as hell. But um, I didn't think any differently. Yeah, I think um, uh, I. I really appreciate you saying that. I think that's the best thing we have is that uh, we are our own community also. And we're great friends and we take care of each other. And we care about each that's other. Awesome. And I, you know, I think that's yeah. paramount. And that's so, cause I mean, you think about all these groups out there, not even, not even, I mean, you don't even have to isolate it to, to gun groups and, and community um, outreach groups, but how many groups out there uh, of that, that share a, a bunch of people that share a title really care about each other as much as as you guys seem to prioritize and care about actually affecting their community. I'm, I mean, sure, there are tons, but I would say the, the widely publicized ones. I mean, you know, you think of, like, how commercialized uh, Boy Scouts uh, or Scouts and, and Girl Scouts have, have gotten, you know, things that used to be about fixing your community and things like that. And, and um, sorry to any, any Scouts out there or girls who grew up in brownies or, or anything like that. Um, I, if you've had a different experience, but, um, there really doesn't seem to be a whole lot out there like that now. And, and to hear how, um, how you guys essentially run, run your operation, uh, is refreshing because it makes me feel like I don't know shit about what I'm talking about and that there are way more organizations out there than I thought who do this, um, just because there has to be, um, yeah. And, uh, at least I know there's you guys. It's one more than I than I than I knew about um, beforehand. So, I think um, I think one important way to build that trust that I want to share with people is, um, you know, to to take care of each other financially. And I, it feels kind of weird in this modern world to do something like that. But you know, if one of our members has a flat tire or is out of ammo. You know, I'm going to go fix their flat tire or I'm going to give them some ammo because I need them to watch my back. So, like, you know, we, we have our lives so separated. It's like, you know, pay your own bills, uh, do your own work. It's like, no, we need each other. We're going to we're going to help each other uh, so that, you know, we're all stronger for it. That's awesome. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Man. Um, you know, for my part, I've never understood, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an individualist myself, but I've never understood why, um, you know, that so, so many people who call themselves individualists, you know, really sort of eschew being part of a community or, or you know, don't understand the importance of, of helping out the people around you that, that, that could potentially help you, you know, and I, I think that... Um, you know, I think it's just I think that, that that idea is just so so important to to get across, especially in a in a in a place so typically 
um, stereotypically masculine and individualist as the gun community. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, well, we are approaching the two-hour mark right now, and I I would say, unless you guys have anything you want to contribute further, that that is a great thing to end on. But we have a tradition that uh, <laughs> it's it is um, if you've listened to any of our episodes, you know that we have to ask you either both or individual or individually as you know collectively the john brown gun club or both of you individually if you'd like um if you have a piece of advice for people and it could be anything it doesn't have to be gun related or community related um andrew told me that you're not supposed to uh what was it your what was your laundry hack that i didn't know about uh no it was uh it was a, a dishwashing hack uh where you put uh citric acid in there and then i said don't put it in in the laundry because that'll, that'll yes fuck your laundry yes up. yes yes so I already, I already forgot about it but see so it doesn't have to be anything uh, gun related but it can also be gun related if you want to but um if you had a piece of advice for anyone listening that could help make their lives easier what would it be yeah i think uh just the world is a little bit scary and it's really easy to feel alone sometimes or a lot of times and it's just really important to remember that even when you feel that way you're not because time after time when we're left out to dry the only people who save us are us and the bigger that us is the better we are um even though that future does seem a little bit scary, the destination is completely contingent on what our actions are today. So we still have an impact and everybody's important. And also stay hydrated. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> that shit's up. Awesome. I'm about to go hydrate. I'll tell you what. Bubble, do you have anything you want to contribute or are you happy with that? I don't want to leave you hanging. I don't know. That was that was really great. I feel like that's pretty hard to follow. Yeah, I feel like mine is not as impactful. Um, but give your friends guns. Important. Buy them guns. Don't just be like, <laughs> "Hey, guns are cool. You should yeah, buy one yeah. someday." Give them a gun. Just literally give them guns. That I nobody has bought me a gun yet, dude. Nobody buys um, me guns to this date. Nobody's but, nobody's ever bought me a gun. But that is that is literally people are always like, "Oh, I don't know how to shop for you." Like literally, buy like. me guns. You literally know what I like. You buy me a gun. <laughs> Anyone. <laughs> Bubble, I like it. I think more people should buy buy their friends guns. All right. Uh, well, that is our show. Um, we are at one hour and 55 minutes exactly right now. Text Bubble, if you guys want to plug yourselves real quick, you're more than welcome to. Uh, the the gun club, yourselves individually, whatever whatever you'd like, um, just to tell people how to find you and... and uh, all that fun stuff. Well, I'll say uh, follow EFJGBC. Uh, follow the Helm Fork John Brown Gun Club on Twitter and Instagram. Um, start organizing. Start your own group. Join a group. Get out there. Organize. Get out and Badass. do it. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This is an awesome episode. Um, we're really happy that we got a chance to know you guys. And uh, 
we we hope people who are listening who don't have one one of uh john brown gun club near them uh but want to join one get the motivation to start one or look for one um uh, because of it so absolutely thanks again thanks for and, having uh, us on it was great we're so happy to have you guys on this was this was a lot of fun and uh we will see everybody later or listen to you you'll listen to us later that's that's the way it works you will listen awesome we won't see you we're not looking at you not at all all right actually before you guys go i wanted to catch you guys um this question didn't make it into the episode we're probably gonna snip this off didn't really fit with the the sort of like vibe of the episode um but redwood queer on instagram is he sends us questions every time we ask so i do want to ask just in case he asks what you guys said um he wanted to know what what do you guys what guns do you guys think don't get the attention they deserve <laughs> so yellow peril tactical actually replied to that when we posted it to our story and they said glocks sigs mmps and ars get plenty of attention I was just thinking they would have something to say. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? No gun that doesn't get attention deserves to get attention. Uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was really funny. That's not, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true always, but yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think, um, I don't want to accuse them of this cause they try to balance it somewhat, but I think the Gucci gun, uh flexing craze is uh not the best you know a lot of people don't have twenty dollars saved you can't go telling them to buy a two thousand dollar gun uh so yeah yeah. i get that yeah so for that reason i'm I'm a big fan of cheap guns um i think the taurus g3c um is a great starter handgun i'm a big fan of psa uh products i think uh i think you know those are the guns for the people PSA, the guns of the people. The company that makes the uh, the engraved Trump Desert Eagle. Yeah, their politics are not great. They <laughs> make good PSA? cheap guns. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I honestly, you know, we we uh, we we don't have a grand thumb budget here, so we're not out testing guns and stuff. But um, well, don't tell I, them that. I know. We have a huge budget, everybody. We are doing. We're, we're all extremely kinds professional. Of- things in the backyard doing fantastic things with money Science. um anyway I, yeah um i i have a couple of friends who have psas and you know obviously this is anecdotal but i've never heard anything bad about them and and one of them goes to the range weekly um i so- have i have heard this is based on no personal experience just my sort of polling people um I have heard that from PSA, you either get uh, a, f- a fine functional weapon or a lemon. Um, but, you know, because of the way PSA operates, um, you know, they will they will fix or replace your gun, ideally, hopefully, eventually, if you do get a, a problem one. Yeah, I think, I think they've improved over time. I mean, I think arrow precision is probably the best value, but... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, they're good. There's a lot of people that can only afford a PSA, and you know it's yeah. it's. Well, and that's like you said it. You know, if you if if money is a barrier between you and self defense, and you want an AR or you want a rifle, you want you. I mean, any gun really. Like you said, a, a Taurus. Um, unless it's a Taurus Judge, <laughs> then 
will absolutely judge you forever. Yeah, not Taurus in general. What about a, what about a Smith and Wesson governor? <laughs> <laughs> is that the uh, like the Snubnose fifty? No, it's just the Smith and Wesson made a like a, a four ten forty five. Oh. Yeah, I see. I see. Um, it's not funny when you have to explain the joke. No, I think that's really important that because because I you know I think we would all rather somebody get a an inexpensive gun but have the means to defend themselves and their family than than have to save up an extra thousand dollars that may or may not I mean for some people that's just impossible, um, and I I I already hate that the right to self defense it's a right is is um, financially restrictive to people. Yeah, I'm, enough. So to to shame people for the guns they have is is not cash money. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan no, of no, cheap no. guns. You know, as long as they're reliable. Um, and on the politics side, it's like, yeah, I don't like PSA's politics, but there's a lot worse in the gun industry. Like Car Arms, yeah, is owned by a Christian fascist cult that's based in Waco, Texas. Now, I've heard of that. Yeah, that's. What? Why did that take so long to get out? I I don't know. I guess uh... <laughs> big. That's why the the NRA gun lobby is keeping that uh, keeping that under wraps. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. and uh, the liberals were thought. right. It's not the only one, too, right? Because Desert Tech is like a Mormon cult. What's up with cults and their guns, man? Like, <laughs> there's plenty of other companies that you can start that don't sell to cool people, but. Well, I think one of, one of the essential features of a cult is the the persecution complex. Ability to defend so. itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure they. Uh, that's kind of ironic that you said car moved to Waco. Uh, the cult, oh, yeah. the church. It's called the Church of the AR-15. Oh, oh. I know who you're okay. talking about. Yeah, they moved to Waco. Car, I think, is uh, based in Houston, but they're owned by the cult that's in Waco. That's the one with the they they do the headdresses with the uh with the bullets. With the bullets. Yeah. Right. Their leader is like a king, I guess. He wears a crown of bullets. That's he's wild. he's not okay. No, they do mass That's wedding cool. and all kinds of sketchy stuff. So this kind of wow. goes back to what you guys were talking about earlier about uh, fetishizing weapons and and you know outsizing the uh, importance of firearms in in your community, you know, because they're literally worshiping guns, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, that is not. It's like you wouldn't worship a hammer. Well, I mean, maybe <laughs> someone would. Yeah, that is not the direction awesome. we want to go. <laughs> um. Well, we're definitely keeping this. Because this this was a good uh, this is a good little bon- bonus content. Put it after the credits. Yeah. Do the credit music and we then should... fade back in and be like, "You thought it oh, was going to be, be more twenty minutes of dead audio? Not this time, Joker." It's <laughs> not my fault. Okay, that's <laughs> I've I fixed those. I don't know what happens, but for some reason I don't pick this up until after we've uploaded it to the episode. I'll go through the hours it takes me to go through and edit an episode, and then for some reason I'll fuck up right at the end, and I'll put like 20 minutes of dead silence at the end of the episode (laughs) after I upload it to to the podcasts. And it's always like, Andrew, it's like, hey, just let you know, there's 20 minutes of nothing at the end of our podcast again. Thanks, Jordan. I'm like, all right. Really making us look profesh. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. 
It really is because you you're thinking like it's gonna be uh like a good Charlotte album and there's gonna be some music at the end or some hidden content, but there's just nothing. It's <laughs> it's like it's like waiting through the end of Marvel credits and it just being like, Okay, get out of the theater. Just leave. Yeah. But this well, anyway, time there's a nugget. This time this will be there. Um to anyone who's listening to this, uh we Hope you didn't have to stop your episode because you went to work and then restarted it, thinking you were going to get something <laughs> magical. And and this it, this time I think no, end, I think that was a good a real... answer. Yeah. Well, all right. Anyway, uh, now that we've held you guys hostage for an extra four minutes, um, <laughs> we are super thankful for you for you both coming on and taking the time to answer our questions answer our listeners questions and, and uh make us feel way more positive about uh organizations in the gun community than we than we definitely did before this so thank you thank oh, you yeah. both for that and have a good have yeah, a good night's sleep thank you so much for having us you are welcome happy to have you. what were you saying Andrew? i was saying have a good night's sleep yes yeah it's <laughs> late there too um so we will uh we'll talk to you later then. Uh well I'm sure we'll be in contact. We'll we'll uh I'll continue to stalk you on, on Instagram. I will never speak to any I, of you I'll... ever again. In a non violent way and, and totally consensual. <laughs> <if> that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes made it so fucking weird. <laughs>